0: well good morning auburn my name is derek kloppenhauer and i am very thankful that i can be with you here this morning through technology obviously i would love to be uh, with you in person but the restrictions still don't allow so thank you uh, for allowing me to be able to join you here a little bit quickly about me i went to school in saskatchewan i got my undergrad in christian ministry uh I didn't I, I actually I love Saskatchewan, didn't love the weather. It's actually I think minus fifty there um right now, so I didn't love the weather. But I also uh worked out there, did a bit of youth ministry. Uh I then went to Montreal last year, spent last year in Montreal, and I've served at multiple points at the church I grew up in as well, Listo Evangelical Missionary Church. So I'm very familiar with the EMCC as well. Uh, very thankful for all that um, I was able to experience growing up in the EMCC church. Yeah, it was a great experience. I loved it. So this morning, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, I thought, hey, let's talk about love, right? And, you know, love, it's an interesting concept. Uh, for many of us, our view of love maybe has been distorted by Hollywood movies and romantic movies, maybe Disney. <laughs> I mean... Many of us can't even describe love. I actually posed that question to a Bible study I'm leading right now. It was last week. I posed the question. I said, you know, what is love? We were looking at the Sermon on the Mount, the call to love your neighbors. I said, what is love? And, you know, most people can't even define it. It's a hard thing to really describe. Uh, we know we love certain people. We know uh, that love takes different forms, right? Uh, I love my mother different than I love um, my friend, right? We It's still love, but it's just different. It takes different forms. You know, the Bible, it mentions love a lot in the New Testament, especially. And the Greek word it uses is agape. Now, the definition for agape is unconditional, honoring, active engagement with a person. Uh, that's what agape means. And we also have a passage specifically in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. And this passage really tells us what love's all about. It says, uh, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. Um, it does not dishonor others. And that passage uh, tells us a little bit about what love really is and what's it all about. And we can learn from that passage even that there's a lot of aspects to love, a lot of different aspects to love. It's a complicated thing, really, isn't it? But we know that it together comes uh, together. And it shows that it puts others above ourselves. That's really what love is. It's putting others above ourselves. But the greatest expression of love is actually God. Um, in First John four, it says God is love. So you can turn with me there now. First John four verses seven to twelve. I, I love this passage. It's such an important passage, and I'll explain that um, in a minute. But hey, let's turn there, and it says, "Dear friends," in First. Uh, seven dear friends some translations will say actually beloved uh, and uh, John says that a few times in his uh, in his book in first John dear friends let us therefore love one another for love comes from God. everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God because God is love let me say that again God is love let's learn those three words this morning. this is how God showed his love among us. Thank you for today. Thank you that we can be here together. God, just give us um, eyes to see, ears to hear, and uh, hearts and minds to understand the ways that you are revealing yourself to us through Scripture. Uh, God, we just thank you. We praise you in your great and holy name. Amen. So this passage for me really uh, has taken effects in me in real impactful and profound ways. Um, it, was, it all started a few summers ago. I was a college student, and it was in the summertime. I was working for this dairy organization called Ontario Holstein. I, I grew up on a dairy farm. And this organization had me going all over the place, and including Eastern Ontario. And if you know anything about Eastern Ontario, you know that that means the 401. And if you know anything about the 401, you'll know that means traffic. So I was saying in traffic quite a bit, and... Uh to stay sane, I started listening to podcasts. I, yeah, I love music, but come on, we need podcasts to be able to to stay sane on some of those drives sometimes. They hear someone else talk. So I was listening to podcasts and uh quite and I was listening to one by the Meeting House, Brooksy Cavey. Uh, I don't I don't agree with everything Brooksy says, um, but you know what? He's taught me a lot, and I've learned a lot through him, and I, I'm thankful for that. So I was listening to this passage by Brooksy. And he was talking about this, and it just hit me. It hit me in such a profound way. I can even remember where I was on the drive. Now, I lived in Montreal, so I also know the drive pretty well. But I remember where I was on the drive. It just hit me in a really profound way. And I really ended up after that, diving into this passage, diving into these concepts. And I ended up writing a philosophy of children's ministry, youth ministry, and general ministry all based in this passage. It's uh, It really impacted me. I've preached this sermon in places from Eyebrow Saskatchewan to Montreal to a small village in Australia that had um, no uh, no plumbing and has, was heated by a wood stove. Beautiful little brick church in this very small Australian village. I've, I've preached this sermon in a few different places and it's continued to impact me and change me. Now, the thing is, the big thing for this passage for me was these three words and this concept that God is love. Hey, let's look at verse 7-8 again. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. That's a pretty important thing. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. We ultimately want to know God. So we know this is a very important thing. Whoever does not love does not know God because three words, God is love. Now, here's the thing. If I had a whiteboard with me right now, I would do this on a whiteboard, but I think I can play it out for us here. I want us to think about God, who God is. Think about words that describe God. So we could say things like grace. We could say things like mercy. We could say things like his kingship. We could say things like peace. You know, these are different characteristics of God who really make him up. And uh, different ways he expresses himself. Now often, we we just put love on that list, don't we? Uh, we just say, hey, it's just on that list. But this is the big thing that changed for me. Was not just to see love on the list of characteristics of God, but that love actually encompasses all those other different characteristics of God. That's a different way of looking at it, right? Not just love as a characteristic on the same line as grace, but actually... In God's grace, love encompasses that. God is love. It's it's like in human terms, it's his essence. It's his DNA. So when we say God is love, of course those human terms, I'm not saying God is DNA. But when we say God is love, we're talking about it being his essence. uh, Really who he is. And then we say God is love. Well, everything God is and who he is is uh, different expressions of his love. And even sometimes we like to say, you know, God is 98% love and 2% anger or wrath. Not necessarily we would say that, but we think that way. But even in God's wrath, and we know God has wrath. He shows that especially in the Old Testament or anger, anger towards Israelites and other nations. It's in his love that that anger is shown. Like a father or mother who disciplines their child, that discipline can be seen negatively by the child. But in all reality, it's actually out of love that they're doing that. And that's the same way God is as well. We also know that God's love, it cannot be diminished in any other way. Just God is love. It's not like that God has this love gas tank that goes up and down, empty or full. No, God is, it's always love. You know, it's always who he is. It's always the expression of who he is. And then we also know our starting point for loving others is to turn to God. And we realize if we love... We will know God because God is love, a very serious and significant calling. Now, I'm not going to get into it uh, this morning because it's a huge topic. But you know, when we do talk about stuff like God being love, you know, there's always the question, you serve a loving God, right? Well, what about evil? You know, what, what about suffering in the world? That's always the question, isn't it? And I don't want to get into that this morning just because we don't have the time, frankly, but I will mention, hey, let's, we gotta look at the big picture. We gotta look at the big story, the big picture of what God is doing. And when we look as God is love and every expression of who he is is love, then that really changes our perspective on everything. Cause we know even in God's plan, it's a God who is love, a God whose essence is love. He has that plan and we can therefore trust that plan. We can ultimately trust God. And we know that no matter what he does, it's for good. For God is good and he is love. All right, hey, let's look at the next verse in verse 9. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice to us atoning sacrifice, sorry, for our sins. This is really the gospel message. It actually makes a pretty profound statement here. The gospel, the good news that Jesus died, rose, and is coming back, is one of the greatest expressions of love we've ever seen. That's a pretty profound statement. You know, every commentary you read on this passage, from Augustine to the more modern day ones, will see John 3.16 all over this passage. Now I grew up knowing that verse. It was probably the, honestly it's probably the first verse I knew. Um John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What a beautiful passage that is and it's so profound and impactful and that's what this passage is pointing to that God would so love his world in the greatest act the greatest expression of love ever. He would send his one and only gotten Son into the world who would die on the cross with the sins of the world on his shoulder. He took all the shame, all the burdens, and he hangs on the cross in the greatest act of love that we've ever seen. Even though there's so much pain there, and there's so much, it's just a horrible scene, seeing Jesus die on the cross, that is the greatest Act of love ever. That is sacrificial love. That Jesus put the whole world on his shoulders. And he took that burden for us. That's really what love is. Remember I said taking someone else's needs above your own. And Jesus did that for the whole world. That's why it's the greatest act of love we will ever see. And that's what First John points to. And it also says, says that it's not that we love God, but he loved us. And that reminds me of Romans 5.8. It says... I, uh, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's uh, one of the most beautiful verses in the New Testament. I love that. My theology prof used to say it all the time too. And there's a reason why my theology prof said that. Because that's such an impactful verse for our theology. That it's not by our merit, but it's God. And it was by him that he chose to do that. And that's what first, That's what uh, John is really getting at here and hey, let's go back in the scripture to verse 11 it says dear friends since God so loved us we ought to love one another now it says no one has ever seen God but if we love one another God lives in us and his love is made complete in us now as I previously mentioned uh, God is love and thus as followers of God we need to love uh, that's what it, that's the cause and effect. Um, as followers of a god who is love we also need to love but as you probably know uh, the church has not always been loving Uh, we look at church history we look at the crusades uh, church-sponsored military wars uh, to take back the holy land of course you can see maybe why that was the call to take back the holy land why they wanted to do that but it was not a good thing and church-sponsored violence killed they don't know one to three million people is the estimate isn't that just wild but then even the Reformation, 16th century, Luther, Calvin, Calvinists, Protestants. The Reformation needed to happen. The church needed a change, but it didn't need to happen in that way. So much violence. Some people say up to 50 million died. Burning by the stakes. Christians killing Christians. Come on, that is not love. That is not in line with the scriptures. And then we see in the re- uh, recently in Canadian history, residential schools. Again, church-sponsored. Uh, man, this gives a bad name to the church. You know, all about residential schools, it gives a bad name to the church, doesn't it? It's just not good stuff. And then, here recently, we've seen political tensions Republican, Democrat in the states, and that affects us in Canada, considered liberal. That's going in the church, and Christians really hating one another. Have you seen Christians interact with one another on Facebook and Twitter? I want to get off those social media networks, I can't do it anymore. I'm on a Christianity today post and Christians are just shredding other Christians. Like what what is this? What have we come to? Probably not made probably the same type of people would have done that 200 years ago too because the fact is we just have not always been loving, man. That's currently pretty much the same thing. You know, when I was preparing this message, I was reminded of the old old hymn. It says, "They will know we are Christians by our love." Now this hymn says, we are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord, and we pray that one day our unity shall be restored. They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Now this hymn points to a few profound things, and it's a really simple hymn, but it's so profound you know that this hymn was written in the 1960s by me by a nam i sorry, here, by a man named Peter Skoltz? Now, Peter was actually a Catholic priest in a parish, and he was in the south side of Chicago. Now I've been to the south side of Chicago, and let's just say it ain't the greatest side of Chicago. I ended up there at night by accident. We were there for a theology conference and we were at the University of Chicago, this whole thing. And they'll gain lost. We're in the south side at night. Not great, not great, <laughs> but he's there. He's there. He's living there. Very a very great place to minister. Um, there's certainly many needs, and they're running this series of interracial events. And he needed a hymn, and he goes through his hymn book, he just cannot find a hymn for this, for this uh, event. So he goes into a study, and in one day, he wrote that song that says, "We are one in the spirit, we are one in the Lord and God. We pray for unity, and that people will know we are Christians by our love." And certainly in the 1960s, they needed a song like that. And frankly, I still think we need that calling today, too. You know, what would the church look like today if we actually lived this out? Certainly, we would be uni- uh, unified. Church unity would just be a thing. <laughs> I mean, certainly, um, I'm very happy to see different church uh, unifying movements happen. And um, it's been really encouraging. But hey, we'd really be unified if we love one another. There would certainly also be less church uh, church splits. Do you know the number one way of church planting in North America is church splits? Isn't that a, stat, a sad fact? I grew up uh, with a church split. Uh, the church split when I was quite young is just an awful thing. You know, seeing people leave and fight and yell is not a nice experience. So we'd certainly see less of those as well. You know, the church also, even today, is often known as a place of hate and not love. But if we actually love one another, I, I really believe that we would fully be known as a place of love and people would actually turn to the church. Um, people would actually see the church as a as a good thing. You know, certainly there are people who always hate the church. You know, that's always gonna happen. Jesus said the world will hate the disciples. But if we actually loved, that would make big steps. And also finally, we'd be a place of service uh, for the community. And sorry, my final point is I believe we would grow spiritually and numerically. I, I really do. I really do believe that. You know, this is something that needs to affect our hearts, our minds, and our actions. And I say that because I don't just want this to be something for you that you just process mentally. You have room to process it, but it really needs to be something we need to live out. This is a call to action. It's not just a mental change. It's a call to action. A call to change your actions and act upon. So my question for you, Auburn, is uh, quite frankly, how are you going to become a community with love as your essence? Uh, What does that look like for you? You know, Sky Jatani, he says, the call to love your neighbors in the Sermon on the Mount is often, sorry, the call to love your enemies. In the Sermon on the Mount, you know, often we just think enemies. We think, I don't even have enemies, okay? That, I don't have enemies. But, you know, that's even the people in your life who are annoying. Uh, the people maybe who are annoying you that day. Maybe it's even the inconsiderate spouse or the child, or that teenager, your boss or your best friend. You know, even the people when they annoy you, it's a Calling to love them. So how are you going to love even the annoying people in your life? You know, in the workplace, the home, church, even a stranger on the street. You know, the passage here, it says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love, God lives in us and is made complete in us. And some people might say, I asked my Bible study this. I said, what does that even mean? And people didn't really know how to explain that one. But I think it means that when we love People see God working through us. We serve a God who is love, a God whose essence is love, and thus, when we love others, people see that. People see that coming to really coming into fruition, and people can see a God who is love, and we they see us as Jesus followers, as people who believe in following God as His disciples, and they see us love. They're going to see God through that, and that's really what this means. No one's ever seen God physically. But they see it through their loving of one another. So, how are you going to love each other even during COVID? You know, sometimes we can use COVID as an excuse, don't we? But how even during COVID are you going to love one another? Maybe this is actually even a greater opportunity to love. Maybe it's calling that senior or your neighbor or your friend. Maybe it's calling the person who's lonely. Maybe it's doing a porch drop off. Maybe it's donating to a food bank. How can you? How can you love one another? Think about that. Think about how God may be calling you to love. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity to come here together. And God, we just pray that you'll give us um, revelation in how we can love people in new and profound ways. God, let this just be something that doesn't just stay in our mind, but actually goes towards action. God, is pray for the church here in Auburn. Pray you'll bless them. Be with them during this time, even in the struggles and ups and downs of COVID. I pray you'll just be with them, God. In your great and holy and powerful name, amen. Hey, Auburn, thank you for letting me join you. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. You have a very blessed week. God bless.